When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello everyone and welcome back to this, the latest episode of the Roker Report, episode 28. Uh, this finds you listening to us just after, while well, we're recording, just after the West Ham game. Uh, two all. It was a point shared. It was uh, an interesting match to say the least. I mean, I say that wasn't spectacular in the sense that you're, uh, you're on the edge of your seat, but certainly it was two teams, you got a lot of injuries, you've got, uh, for me, the same sort of mentality, the same sort of... Uh, yeah, the same personality going through the team, as far as I'm concerned, and the same sort of fan base. But yeah, so you're joining me. I'm uh, sorry, I'm joined by Gav. How are you doing, buddy? I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. Gav's here. Tom, how are you doing? Not bad, mate. Not bad. Shite result, but uh, not bad. Shite result could have been worse. And we're also joined by a new gentleman. We're giving our writers a chance at the whip. Uh, we've got James Lawson. How are you doing, buddy? Yeah, very well, very well. Excited to make the debut. Excited. It is a very exciting place to be, I must admit. Who knows from here where you'll go? Straight up to stardom. So, yeah, we're joined, joined by these ads. Thanks for joining me. Um, yeah, as I said, West Ham. So, to all, we managed to get a point. Uh, it wasn't the most exciting of games. Gav, what did you make of it? Uh, yeah, I, I think it was two poor teams, really. Uh, I wouldn't, I don't think, I don't think the fact we scored two goals reflects, uh, re- reflects any sort of positive change made by Sunderland. It was just, you know, a case of we, we were playing another poor team. Um, I've watched the goals back actually, you know, just five minutes ago and, uh, for both of them, their goalkeeper pretty much gifts us each, which, uh, you know, You've got to take. You've got to take what you can. You know, I'm not going to. I'm not going to criticise our players for for that. It's just you know the chances were presented and we took them for once actually, which is quite nice. I mean, it was it was probably a game we should have won because you know you saw you saw yourselves in Dong's chance when he blazes it over the bar is just an absolute sitter. Um, mm. Which we should have won really. I don't think West Ham looked like a team who were uh, fighting for anything. They kind of know they're safe. They know that they're going nowhere from now. The, the summer holidays are just around the corner, and nobody mm. seemed to push themselves. Whereas I thought, from our from our perspective, it was it was nice to see. Obviously, Wabi Kazri come back in. I think pretty much every Sunderland fan in the ground today was over the moon to see him. He, you know, he got he got a hero's applause every time he took a corner. For God's sake, you know, it was it was great to be honest because we haven't had a lot of cheer recently, and it was kind of like the fans sticking their fingers up at the manager and going, yeah. Now, fuck you! You should have picked this guy ages ago. And look what he's doing. He's able to create chances, and you know, and that's what we got. He was he was by far and above the best footballer on the pitch today, which I'm over the moon to see. And it was mm. it was pleasing seeing the man just comments after the game too about about Kazri and seeing that he wasn't really comfortable answering questions on it because he knows he knows he's ballsed up really, and mm. it was shown today. But in terms of the overall performance, I thought I thought that. We've got we've got to maybe take the positives from it. We 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 got some goals again. Um, and each should be. I didn't realise this until I watched the goals back actually because of like say I was there. Um, but I didn't realise how much of a handful he he was for both goals. He he backs in to their goalkeeper mm. um, for Kazri's, which you know some refs might have gave a foul on the keeper. I'm glad he didn't because. Uh, it would have been soft, but I have seen them given. And then for the for the second goal, it's another. He goes up with the keeper for the header. Keeper totally misjudges it, flies out to Barini who finishes in the empty net. So it was good to see Anicho be making a handful of himself. And I was kind of worried when I saw him go down, but he got back mm. up and got back on with it. Um, but yeah, I think I think 
look, we're all resigned to relegation now. I don't think that there's a Sunderland fan out there who can honestly hand on heart say that we're going to stay up. But, uh, you know, we've got to from now. It was it was a good point made by Tom in the preview, actually, on the website, that we kind of have to see something which sets, sets up for the championship. Mm. A bit like Newcastle did last year when Benitez came in. The, although they didn't get the results that they ultimately needed, that towards the end of it, you know, they had a bit of hope that something was going to happen the next season, yeah. as we've seen that they're pretty much promoted. And what, that's what I want to see from now. I just want to see Sun and putting in the performances. But I think there was a there was maybe a the glue which holds the team together was missing today. Very fractured bunch of players. Kazri when he scored celebrated as he normally would, but then he runs over the bench to celebrate with Coney. It's kind of like, well, mm. what's that about? Mm. And then obviously Barini sliding in front of the manager makes you think, you know, it's not all rosy in the garden. I think everybody's just waiting for the season to be over now. Most of those on the pitch today won't be here next year. So yeah. it's it's just a case of saying it out, I guess. Mm. What, do you, what about you, Tom? What do you make of the whole thing? Oh, the, the, whole, the whole season has been disappointing. I don't think anybody can argue that, you know, we talk about a fractured fan base, but I really don't think there's anybody. And and I've seen Gav do it on Twitter and in our group chat. He'll say, okay, well, if you're sticking up for boys, tell us one good thing that he's done. Mm. And nobody nobody can come back and say, oh, well, he's done this or he's done that. That There's there's been nothing. And I understand this, this issue of stability. And I understand that David Moyes probably isn't the man to give us this stability. But today just showed how inept he's been at times. You know, and we've asked loads of times in the match previews and the, the, the post-match stuff, there's been a lot of talk saying, oh, why isn't Kasri played? And actually, you know, as as a blog, we've had a lot of stick from people saying, well, the manager's given a reason. Uh, you've just got to trust what he says. And the, the reason has been that Wabi Kasri, quite simply, isn't good enough uh, at retaining the ball to be on that pitch bollocks of that he was absolutely fucking class today like there's there's no other way to put it every little piece of attacking uh, impetus we had a day came through him he chased the ball down it was absolutely superb there was absolutely nobody on that pitch who played as well as he did and and gav's right all of the stuff that's been said um about uh, barini's knee slide in front of moyes uh Kazri running over and hugging Kone suggests to me that um, there's been hell on in the changing rooms that I think has been kept from us. I Honestly, the, there can be no other explanation for me other than the players must be in little camps of their own, um, totally distant from each other. And, and you look back about, it's not even a year, you look back 10 months ago and the absolute just sheer energy that was emanating from the club you think about the Chelsea win, which is a similar time to last year. You think about the, the last game win against Everton. and Well, the last home win, sorry, against Everton. And, and you just think, how on earth have we gone from that to being bottom? And, you know, we've been in the bottom of the league for, for an absolute staggering number of days. So we the bottom three, at least. And just looking at that team today mm. with Kasri on the pitch, they look at a different bunch of lads and... I'd love to hear Jimmy's thoughts in a second, but I, I just I cannot understand in any way, shape, or form how we've gone from being an energetic, vibrant club at the end of last season. And yes, Allardyce took some stick before Christmas, as people love to point out, but he got it right. Mm. Moyes has been given an ample amount of time to find something that works, and it's why he's waited until we're all but relegated to finally give the chance to the guy who the fans knew could make a difference. Mm. Well, I mean, yes, from what you say and from what we've seen, there's absolutely something rotten going on there. I mean, a lot of people say that there are issues at the club, uh, that the players are divided from the from the manager and maybe, well, I mean, certainly that's something we're going to touch on shortly anyway. But, um, Jimmy, what did you make of the match, mate? What about your thoughts? Um, the match in itself was just a really weird game. There were times where we were absolutely dreadful. There were times where we looked more dangerous than we have at any point in the last two, three months. It was a bit all over the place. I agree with Gav. I thought that West Ham, having one of the worst goalkeepers in the league, really helped us out. But girls were gift-wrapped a bit by Darren Randolph. Mm. Um, but yeah, weird game. I mean, I remember, because I was doing a report for the website, nothing happened between Collins's goal 
and a wabby Kasri free kick. There was about 25 minutes where West Ham had the ball. We just couldn't pass out from midfield. Gibson and Catamore weren't giving us enough. And you just kind of thought, well, this is it. Nothing's going to happen in this game. Then you had the Jones injury, the indulgent miss, the Barini goal. And it was just absolute madness. But sort of, yeah, Kasri obviously is a standout player by a mile the best player on the field today. And it was just so bittersweet watching him considering how few chances he's got this season. And yeah, Moyes has definitely got it wrong with Kasri. I mean, I could understand why maybe he was a bit apprehensive to play him at first, but when you look at how much we struggle to create chances, how dependent we are on set-piece and crossing to score under such conservative manager to then not include our most creative player, our best set-piece taker, for the last month we've had must-win games, I think is pretty shocking. Mm. I mean, in terms of Moyes, I do think he's done two things well here. I think that the role he's brought in for Anachibi is is genuinely innovative, and that was good. No one thought of him as a left-winger. He plays as a left-winger for a month, and lo and behold, all of a sudden we looked dangerous and started winning games. And I also thought we actually defended well for about a month when we switched to three at the back. The reasons that he went away from the three at the back, I think, is pretty shocking. I don't understand why. He changed when we're 2-0 down against Southampton. The second he changed it, we got way worse as a team, and he's never gone back to it. And I just think that's completely baffling. And then other decisions that he's made since then, his general conservatism, the way he's got the transfer market wrong, the bad well outweighs the good. But I wouldn't say he's been completely terrible. Mm. But, yeah, it's looking pretty grim for us. Well, I mean, it's interesting you say that, actually. I, I mean, I admire your generosity towards him, but for me, what you're saying, like, yeah, he has he has made some good tactical decisions before. I think the trouble there it lies in the fact that he's made them, and as you say, he's changed it up and he hasn't gone back to it. So the danger and the problem with him lies that even when he has seemingly stumbled across a good idea, it seems to be that he's still edging towards it. Maybe, I don't know, maybe he tweaks too much or something like that. Maybe he's a tweaker or something. What do you reckon, Tom? I, I think he does, mate, and the the issue I have with him is, and Jimmy brought it up, you know, we, we go on against Liverpool in early in January, I believe, and it's nil-nil, and we look resolute, there's metal, there's fight, and it, it's a good performance, you know, and then we go away to, to Crystal Palace at Selhurst Park, and we absolutely dismantle them 4-0, and to me, that's a cathartic moment, that's a moment whereby you can look at a club or a team and you can say, right, that's something that's that should change the, their outlook. And then until today, we hadn't scored since then. So so what are you doing to a, a side that manages to put four past a relegation rival whereby they can't score after that? Mm. That three, whatever it was, that three five one one, I guess you would label it, that was, a, in, in my opinion, it was a tactic and still could be a tactic. That suits us. It gives Yanazai or Kazri or whoever's in that 1-1 role just behind Defoe and HV, whoever, it gives them the freedom to attack and to probe the opposition. But at the same time, if it doesn't work, you've got the wing-backs to provide the width. And like Jimmy quite rightly brought up, we spend a lot of time out wide without any real good delivery. The 3-5-1-1 had afforded us the chance of actually working our way into the box. And then if shit hits the fan, we can actually work it wide and just lash crosses in. And it's always nice to have that little that mixture of um, availability of options of of how you actually try and create chances. Since then, we've played like a basically um, four five one in all honesty, and we've we've had zero success from it. And you know, and it just I don't want to be awful to David Moyes as the manager because I don't want to be that bloke who's screaming and shouting and effing and blinding. Mm. But if if lads who just write blogs for fun and lads who just make podcasts for fun and go to games and watch games, if they can analyse that game and say it's crying out for Wabi Kasri or Fabio Barini needs to be taken out of the team or we need just something fresh, we need to go back with the the three five one one, whatever it is, mm. if we can see that, how can he not see that mm. if he's the bloke who's being paid millions of pounds a year to see it? That's want... that just I can't get past that. I know what you mean. It is, it is a confusing one. I mean, there's a degree of armchair punditry going on, isn't there? Because we can sit here and we can say this, this, and this. But um, as you said before, as we brought up, and it's, it's a big issue, obviously. That again, as you mentioned, is being kept from us. 
is what sort of uh, problems there are going on in the dressing room. Because it seems to me well, like you would, as you say, you'd expect this this pedigree manager to recognise these obvious flaws in his strategy and correct them. Do you know what I mean? It's it's very much a case of putting square pegs in square holes. It seems that way. On I mean, and we're not we're not even trying to boil it down to the. We're not saying now oh, it's easy to run a football club. Do you know what I mean? We're not talking about the the many myriad layers of things that you have to do on top of pick the squad and tell them what to do. We're talking about specifically no. that. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm with you there. I find it absolutely mind boggling. And you know what? As well, I just and you know I know Gab's got some real interesting points on this, but. If we go back to the whole Kazri finally being included in the team, today, it's it's not a stretch to say he was the best player on the pitch. Mm. He was absolutely phenomenal. And and it's so funny. Like I said, we get some sticks. Uh, sorry, we get some stick from, from fans with some of the, the negativity apparently we put out. But it's just mind-boggling for anybody who understands or who has played or who has some hours invested into the game of football. It isn't a real ridiculous statement to say, mix it up in attack. You haven't scored in seven games. Put the lad on who last season really was the spark for you to get to, to safety, to avoid relegation. It's it's not a great stretch of the imagination to demand that change. Mm. And finally today we see, and like I say in a second, I'll just let Gav <clears throat> take over, but Nick Barnes asks a really good question to David Moyes about Wabi Kazri after the game. He says, you know... Uh, He's just basically asking him about his absence from the squad and how well he's done. And he's very, very, very reluctant to give any answer in any way, mm. shape or form that suggests, I, sorry, lads, I fucked up. He probably should have been given a chance earlier on. And for me, that's unforgivable. As a manager, you should be willing to experiment. And David Moyes' conservatism has effectively relegated this club, in my opinion. Mm. That's a very good point. <laughs> it's, it's quite a damning one as well. I mean... Is it, is it fair? Are we being, I mean, ignoring what, yes, he's being defensive. Yes, he's in the question. Are we being fair to David Moyes? I mean, he, we're saying that we've been, <laughs> everyone's been saying this. Everyone's been pointing out the obvious to him, do this, play Kazri, blah, blah, blah. And he's played him. So at the end of the day, he's played him, uh, and we're still, yeah, it's not enough, is it? It's too little, too late. It seems to be like, even when he's actually, he seems to have done it. And from all accounts as well, he doesn't want to be seen. Uh, he doesn't want any attention drawn to the fact that he hadn't been picking him for so long, even though it was obvious to the entire football world that there was clearly a problem there. Judging from what we're saying about the uh, the interview, uh, the brief post-match interview, it's um, it is it's worrying. It's worrying that his defensiveness, his, you say his conservatism, is it's relegating the club, and I agree with that. Very powerful statement there, but it's his defensiveness it's see I can't tell whether he doesn't want to be caught out as a man he doesn't want to be caught out like as a person as a manager I'm not sure if it's defensiveness like a, a leftover bitterness from what's happened the last couple of clubs I mean to be fair he's, he's been on a roller coaster ride of shit hasn't he for years now since he left Everton it's never been good for David Moyes do you know what I mean it, it just it's not going well I mean what do you make of it Gav uh, do you know what it is for the first time probably since he became our manager, I felt a little bit sorry for him today. Mm. Um, like I say, my perspective was maybe a little different being there today, but it was the, the atmosphere in the stadium was pretty toxic. It was, it was like you had maybe a, a 15% minority of the crowd were clearly just there to, to get on his case. Very rightly, you know, mm. they pay the ticket money. I have no problem with anybody who, who does that. I mean, I'm, I'm, completely against David Moyes and I can sympathise with what they were doing. I didn't join in, but that was my that was my uh, prerogative, I guess. Um, but I, for, I did feel sorry for him to an extent. Uh, just everything tied in. It was like every time he stood up from the dugout, he was being booed to hell. Uh, there was one moment when the ball comes over towards him and he takes a touch of it just to knock it back for the throwing taker and he, you know, real loud boos. Uh, there was a smattering of Moyes out chance at the start uh, of the game, which well, just after the goal even, which um which kind of threw up from the south stand and it didn't really make its way around the stadium. I think it was kinda of just about the south stand, little bits of the southwest corner people were joining in. And then as it turned round there was like 
people arguing amongst themselves in the crowd um, because obviously there'll be people who take exception to that type of thing. Um, my dad's one of them. He he really didn't like it. Mm. He's not a Moyes fan. He's completely against David Moyes, but he doesn't see the point in booing during a game. Yeah. Um, and I can take that point on, to be honest, because it'll end up affecting the players on the pitch if, if it becomes a majority of, of fans who do it. Um, yeah, I suppose it could so, be ultimately counterproductive in that sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was kind of like the whole atmosphere in the ground was built around just giving Moyes as much stick as he as we could really. Uh, like I say, said earlier, Kasri going to take set pieces was getting cheered like he was a returning hero from the war or something. It was like he was he was he was you know the man that we've all been waiting for. He's finally on the pitch. The fans want to let him know that they appreciate him, mm. which is great really. But it's kind of at the same time sticking the fingers up at the manager. Um, and then, and then, obviously, with Barini's celebration, I don't know if you've watched it back, but as Barini sprints towards him, slide in front of him, it's clearly aimed at him. I'm guessing because Moyes made some comments about Barini's quality in the mid midweek uh, talk to the press. He said something around the lines of uh, that that Barini's been playing because we have no other choice, and it's got the stage where he's he's you know had to drop because he's not offering us anything in terms of goals or assists. Well, which, to be fair, to add fair to enough. that, there seems to be and obviously with um, Barini and Manoni's agent coming out, and then Moyes turning mm. around and saying that that was disrespectful and unprofessional. Do you know what I mean? There's obviously something going on yeah. there as well. Mm. So, so when he did that, the cam the camera kind of pans to David Moyes, and he's like. Looking around himself, fist pumping, like, come on, yeah, like, come on, lads, and it just, it's dead cringeworthy, like, watching it, watching, watching him, and I, 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 it was at that moment, I was like, I feel a little bit sorry for this guy, like, he just, so out of place, and so out of depth, it's unbelievable. He's um, turning into Alan Partridge, like. Hundred percent, like everything I, he does, Alan Partridge. It's just, it's just, it's a struggle. It's a struggle to watch the guy. To watch the guy even try and do his job, which, to be honest, I don't think he wants to be here. I think ultimately he knows he's got an easy ride here, and it's, you know, a case of well, it's going to shit, but it's not my fault. The quote, the quote after the game when he when he said he was asked he was asked about whether the the, the pressure from the fans is getting to him, and he said I just have to remember me really good Premier League win ratio or something like that. Yeah. I'm in the top three or four in the Premier League for win ratio and I was like, what the fuck does that matter? You, yeah. you, you've At the end of the day, we're bottom of the Premier League and it's not about you, it's about the football club. We're told that you're here to rebuild the club yet everything that comes out of your mouth suggests that you just want to palm the blame off on anybody but yourself. Mm. doesn't want to hold his hands up and make acknowledge his mistakes which ultimately is what will get him back into the hearts and minds of the fans. If he comes out, and I, I wrote something in midweek about this, about Ella Short, he's another that has to do this. The pair of them need to acknowledge their mistakes and talk to the fans and say, yeah, look, we didn't get this right, we didn't do this right, but ultimately we are going to try and make things better here and this is what we're going to do about it. Mm. But all we get all we get from the club really is David Moyes' press conferences because the other two don't come out and say anything. And Moyes will come out and just blame everybody but himself for the problems, which is not what it's counterproductive. It's not helping anybody. Just blaming the past doesn't help anybody. It's an easy way out as well. I find I find that Sunderland's mistakes this season, yes, we've 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 got ourselves into a hole, which we're going to find difficult to get out of in any league. I think the championship won't be easy next season, and everybody can acknowledge that. But it's not always just down to what other people have done. We've made so many mistakes this year, which could have been avoided, and we could have been playing Premier League football next season. Ultimately, we won't be. I don't think. I don't think we can, you know, uh, say otherwise. So I, I just think. I just think that Moyes, he would really do himself a big favour if he started acknowledging his mistakes. He had a great chance today to come out and say, "Yeah, look, hold me hands up, Kasri, fantastic today." The fans really appreciated what he gave to us I can say that now and going forward I'd like to use him more towards the end of the season see if he can see if he can continue this form because he was brilliant today if he comes out and says that or, or something along those lines then all of us go yeah fair play fair play look you, you balls up and you've admitted it but he didn't he came out and brushed it off because he didn't want to talk about it because he can't f- stand the fact he's been wrong on something which is something we've seen since day one he arrived here and I'm <sighs> I don't know. I think I think there's got to be a real change in attitude from everybody involved at the club, and that goes from players, managers, upper management to the owner. 
they all have to start acknowledging the mistakes. Otherwise, this this goes nowhere. The, the problems just escalate if we don't. Yeah, we're we're pretty screwed. I mean, there's no real obvious route to us getting good again. Somehow we've ended up back trusting the cult of the manager. It feels as if we've gone back to the Martin O'Neill days with a less talented defensive manager. It seems as if we've got a worse version of O'Neill. It feels as if we've gone back to dated practices of trying to sign Premier League proven players and British players when we can't really afford to be that straightforward with how we attract players and buy players. I have no idea why the club would let David Moyes sign players for us again in the summer. I just think he's been a disaster. He's proved himself to be too conservative. I kind of feel as if we were going to get relegated potentially this year, regardless of who was manager. I feel as if he was put in a really tough spot with the summer transfer window. It was something we knew wasn't going to play with his strengths, with his Divering Dave nickname from his Everton and his Manchester United days. And I was willing to accept the bad start to the season. I was willing to accept that injuries played a big factor in us losing form in January. But then this last stretch of five or six games, starting with the 4-0 loss to Southampton, where we've just been so dull, where he's made such conservative decisions, his inability to make changes and take risks that might have resulted in us beating Burnley and Leicester. It's just been, it's been pretty grim. I'm not sure how much of the blame for us getting relegated this year deserves Scott Moyes, maybe, maybe 40%, maybe 45, but it's, it's tough. It, it was going to be tough. Whoever was manager, but he's, he's not really done good enough with, with what he's, yeah, what he's had to work with. Hmm. Well, I mean, that is, that may be true, I suppose. So, I'm of the opinion now, I've gotten to this point where, I mean, considering all we've been told and all we've seen of David Moyes, particularly the the massive statement from the club, or, well, from certainly thereabouts, people in the know, that he's not going anywhere, that this is the plan, we're sticking with Moyes. I'm starting to wonder if there is any point. Like, I, I completely agree with protest, but I agree that protest, it should only be used if there is an ultimate point to it and just just doing it to show the manager that you don't like him. I mean, it's pretty obvious that he knows that we don't like him. Do you know what I mean? He knows that now. He, he, he knew it six months ago. I mean, he came in thinking that we wouldn't like him. Do you know what I mean? So he's been on the defensive from the very beginning. He's never really been truly accepted. I mean, it was accepted at first. There was a, a sort of a, a, a clamour to say, oh, well, look, finally, we've got this calibre of manager in. But obviously, over time, very quickly, actually, it sort of deteriorated to the, the point. I mean, you've still got people in this camp, given, but it's all about give him time. Do you know what I mean? Give him time. Oh, no one could do this job. Anyone was going to fail. Give him time to rebuild. And that isn't really a statement saying, oh, well, I believe in David Moyes. None of these people are saying, oh, yeah, Moyes is definitely the man. They're just saying, dear God, just give it to anybody. It doesn't matter if it's Moyes or whoever it is, as long as they're stable in the club. Um, but yeah, it's, so that's a, for me, I, I don't think that, there's any way of really kicking off about him anymore. I've, I've become so in a way that I was apathetic towards relegation. I've become certainly resigned to the fact that he's going to be here with us. And now I want to look forward. Do you know what I mean? I, a, a part of me is actually going, Oh, you know what? This is because it's tiring, isn't it? It's exhausting. They're picking out, picking fault with everything he does. We know that tactically we aren't expecting a masterclass every game. We know that he's going to do something that's just going to make us want to bash her out of a brick wall. Do you know what I mean? But it, for me, I'm getting to the point where I just I want to focus and see what he can do now. Because if if he is if if we're stuck with him, that's it, isn't it? That's the end to the conversation. There's no more point arguing about it. We are stuck with him. This is what we're going to do. And as much as we point out everything he does wrong, uh, I don't think it's going to help us. I mean, what do you guys make of that, Gareth? What do you reckon? Uh, yeah, I do agree. I, I think I've kind of came round to the idea in the last couple of weeks, like yourself, that it's it's going nowhere now. He's 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 very safe in his role. We aren't going to achieve anything by demanding he's he's, he's sacked or anything because one, it's too late for any manager to come in now and influence the season. So it's kind of like, well, sack him now and and then what? Just give it to a coach. I suppose that would work. Maybe look in the summer for a manager. I mean, if if I if I was calling the shots, I, I think I'd definitely look at, at that. But uh, I, it's not going to happen, you know. 
I think if he was going to be sacked, there have been plenty of opportunities for the club to do it and they're not going to. They're, they're very much sticking by this man to prove a point. To prove a point that they set the stall out at the start of the season and told us we need to stop being the club that thinks short-term. We need to be the club that thinks long-term. And ultimately, it didn't matter how this season went. David Moyes was always keeping his job. I think he would have had to come out and done something pretty drastic to to even have his job come under threat. We've seen the whole thing with the slap uh, controversy with the female reporter. That was an opportunity for the club to do something that didn't. And on top of that, the poor results. He's, we've had countless opportunities to move this man on, and it's not going to happen. So I've been thinking about it more and more the last week or so about, you know, well, if we go down, we're stuck with him. We're still, you know, regardless of who the manager is, we're still the same players are still going to leave, and we're still going to have the same holes to fill, which I guess means that now we kind of know our fate mm. and we know that we're going to drop into the championship that we can kind of look forward to it. I don't look, I've been in the, I've watched some in the championship in times. It's, it, it is nice going to these other places for away days and watching maybe a, a different group of players than you would usually watch, you know, mm. like a maybe lower quality, but there's, there's always that you get that added, you know, bit of spice with championship football because the technical quality is not there but you have to be pretty you know well-rounded to be a championship footballer so there's a there's a different element to it which I do look forward to I didn't want us to go down and I didn't want it to be like this but you know we've got to accept that now Moyes is the manager um I'm pretty sure they probably know which players are leaving which means then we can start thinking about who we're going to bring in and there are good players at that level there are good players in league one even who would relish the chance to play for Sunderland. Now, I look at that team today playing against you know a fairly average West Ham team who were there for the taking, much like Burnley were, much like Watford were. Um, and I kind of look at our players now and I think how many of them really appreciate you know the shirt that they're wearing. And I would say maybe Jordan Pickford does. I think O'Shea has been here long enough to understand what it's like to be a Sunderland player. Catamull definitely has. Billy Jones... He's a very limited footballer, but I can, you know, yeah. I kind of, I kind of, I kind of like the guy because you know he never gives up. Mm. But beyond that, I look at the team and I think, you know, how many of them really appreciate, you know, just how fortunate they are. Because in my eyes, they're the most fortunate footballers in the world. They get to do what I would love to do. Um, I agree. So you know, dropping into the championship, regardless of the manager, to me represents change, and it, it, we've got to just accept it. It's going to happen. Mm. It's going to happen. 100%, 100%. And, you know, there was some things today that, for me, in, in the like going back to the game itself, there was moments today that were, I don't want to say they were encouraging because it was still a draw, we are still going down, the overall thematic mood, whatever you want to call it, is despondency because we know we're in debt, we know we've got this manager who isn't bold and brash, and we've got an owner who hides in the shadows, and all this shite that has engulfed our club. But today... Wabi Kazri, for example, was fantastic. For me, and I know Darren Gibson got a lot of stick, but in the right team, with the right players around him in the right roles, he can be an absolutely fantastic player. I, I honestly do think that. And I think in the championship, for example, I think he'll be, he, he really will be exceptional. Mm. You look at our club, you've got Joel Osoro shortlisted for the European Golden Boy Award. Wow, if we can bed him into the team in some way, shape or form next year, um, we could see something exciting from that. And, you know, if Pickford leaves, there's never been a goalkeeper transferred for more than £30 million, I believe. And I think that was Jan... Uh, I think that was ba- uh, Buffon, sorry, mm. back in the day. For me, Pickford's... I don't think he's going to top that, but I think he's going to be relatively close to that. So, so, so we've got something positive to take from the fact that Pickford's an absolutely phenomenal uh, talent that we, we've cultivated. So next season, for me, there's just... There's a lot of things that we can... Um, that we can take heart from. And the performance today, yes, we didn't get the result we wanted. And yes, Jermaine Defoe deserves some criticism for his just lack of heart at the minute, in all honesty. But there are moments we can take something from and think that there is a little bit of hope here. And I think John O'Shea should be awarded a new one-year deal. I don't think he's brilliant by any means, but he brought something to the team today and Denier really thrives alongside him rather than Kone. Mm. I think there's something something to be said about that. 
think Billy Jones is going to stick around and Brian Oviedo when he gets back fit. So really, you, you look at that defence, you've got three three good defenders going into that league. Uh, you're going to have consistency with Rodwell, with um, Darren Gibson staying around. And Dong, question marks overhang whether he will stay or not. I was disappointed in him today, personally. I think he slowed a lot of our attacks down. Uh, but but that's him being utilised in, in, in the wrong position, in my yeah. opinion. Um, but I think if you keep him, if you keep the likes of Anitrabi, you keep the nucleus, the core, the, the essence, whatever you want to call it, you keep something of a side. And to be honest, they seem like the good lads in the team. Mm. And I think, obviously, sorry, you can in- include Lee Catamull in that as well. But I think they are the kind of blokes who are consummate professionals. Billy Jones and John O'Shea, great examples. And Gav made a great point. He said, Billy Jones isn't blessed with ability, but uh, he'll give you everything. Like he'll, he'll wear his heart on his sleeve and he'll leave everything on the pitch. And that's the kind of player you need in the championship. Um, so for me, keeping those kinds of players is more important than the likes of Jeremy and Lons and Wabi Kazri staying at the club. So you go, Sorry, well, I was going to say, that's probably the most optimistic thing we've heard on this show in about six months, <laughs> which is incredible. <laughs> but also, it, it, oh, you've made so many points there. I mean, we've, we've, we are, unfortunately, we are um, cursed with a time limit on this show. So I have to, I have to kind of keep it running on, on schedule. Otherwise, it'll all just sound like a big mess. But something very valid that you said there about Gibson, he did get a lot of stick, I found. Um, I, I, I think that he, and I agreed with a lot of people when we were chatting about it. He doesn't get about enough, but although he wasn't moving very much, he was sort of he was he was pretty much occupying the centre circle when he passes the ball. And this is something that we were told about before we got him that he has an incredible level of accuracy, passing accuracy. And I saw him distribute that ball three or four times uh, at great distance, at great length, through an accurate pass into Defoe in, uh, in at uh, an each of his feet. Do you know what I mean? And things like that. And I, I agree with that. I think as long as, similar to what you said about John O'Shea, uh, the idea of him not, he's not actually a fantastic defender and he is a little bit uh, long in the tooth now. But in a situation where he doesn't have to be relied upon heavily for everything, then the players like this can thrive, can't they? As long as we can build um, that sort of, as you say, around the nucleus. The nucleus, which is interesting to point out, a lot of those players that you mentioned were brought in uh, under Moyes' tenure. So the fact that he's brought in a core team that can go into the championship could be argued as a, a success of sorts, I suppose. Um, interestingly, though, now we move on. Uh, mentioning uh, Billy Jones took a nasty spill. A nasty spill. It looks From what I could see, it looked like a, maybe a dislocated shoulder. Or something like that, maybe, and a concussion as concussion. well. Concussion, yeah, yeah, Smacked it was concussion. Right Moyes, yeah, yeah. Moyes, Moyes spoke about it after the game. Mm. He was asked, and he, he said he thought it was his shoulder, but he it, it, it turned out that he fell awkwardly, land on his head, knocked yeah. himself out. <laughs> as you do, yeah. but I mean, just just another one to add to the list of wounded. We are suffering badly from injuries. Uh, uh, interestingly enough, a crisis which uh, West Ham suffer from, which. I think actually helped us a lot today. But um, yeah, regardless of that, our injury list is, it's been bad for quite some time now. Um, and that, considering we lost Oviedo last game, uh, so we've obviously brought in our, our remaining right back to replace him at left back. And now our right backs, uh, I don't know, is he crocked? Is he going to miss the next game or is he good? Are we, are we worried about Billy Jones? Uh, I think he's going to be out. Yeah, you'd think concussion, there's a chance that, that that could be a season over. I don't know, you'll have to obviously get checked. We're probably going down anyway. Not much difference between him and Mankio. I'd, I'd be fine with, with little Donald Love getting a run out because he's another one who you'd think mm. next year in the championship is going to play a lot. Mm. Yeah, Donald Love, well, obviously we've got to rely on these players. Is Donald Love going to be available then? Why is he... Has he just been taking a back seat through Billy Jones's ability and things like that? Uh, I, I came I came up with a theory for this the other day, and I, I'm probably a mile off. But it, it just seems strange that all of these players who are clearly going to be here next season in the championship aren't even. Some of them aren't even getting in the matchday squads. I just wonder whether he's keeping them out the firing yeah, line, knowing that there's no good in really putting them in this poisonous team at the minute. Mm. Um, knowing that we're down. I mean, Love's one of them. Lyndon Gooch is another. We, we've, I, I put the, um, I put the tweet out on obviously Twitter to our readers, just asking for questions for tonight. And a lot of them were actually asking about, well, Lyndon Gooch, where is he? 
and I wish I knew. I wish I knew the answer. <laughs> but I'm kind of hoping. I'm kind of hoping that it's because David Moyes is keeping them out of the firing line in case they're needed for next season, which I believe they will be because Gucci is a pretty decent player, and we'll probably need we'll probably need him in a variety of positions next year when we're playing sometimes twice, three times a week. Um, so I, I kind of I, I came up with the theory that maybe him love. Jilabodji even, maybe. Uh, I'll say his name very um <laughs> well with trepidation, but I, I kinda wonder whether the there's some of those players that he isn't including that aren't being included for a, a good reason and it's just to keep them out of the firing line. Let them let them bed in properly because I think it's fair to say that Jilabodji and Love just weren't ready to play when they did come in. And then maybe in the summer, when we move people on, make them more of a focal point in the team. I hope that's what he's doing because it would make sense really to start playing these players if they were going to be in his plans for next year because ultimately, uh, you know, Coney's not going to be here, Denea's not going to be here, so why not play the players that are going to be here next season? But mm. I, I guess I guess it's it's difficult trying to second-guess David Moyes at the best of times but kind of concocting the theory that he's, you know... <laughs> Even thinking as forward as this might yeah. uh, <laughs> be a mile off. Well, I mean, it's interesting. I'm, obviously, there's nothing we can do about injuries, so we're just going to have to, well, just hope for the best, really. But talking about, um, uh, going back to what we were talking about earlier with uh, someone, and I can't remember which one of you it was that mentioned, but it was it's clear to everyone now, Defoe's performance, uh, his performances of late, I think it was you, Gav, mentioned it, he's... From, I don't know. I don't know if it's a case of he's just given up. I don't know if it's that he's got. Uh, has he got an agenda against Moyes? Has Moyes got an agenda against him? What do you make of it, Tom? I'm disappointed with Jermaine Defoe. Uh, yeah. Do we I think don't it's be because told... because his head's been turned, or is he just not giving maybe shit anymore? I, maybe I, I don't want to be too critical because the man has been beyond superb for us. He really has. He's been. He's been a shining light for most of the time. To be able to score that many goals with such uh, a poor calibre of teammates surrounding him, you've really got to take your hat off and, and really applaud the man. But he's not exempt from criticism, mm. unlike some fans may believe. Mm. So I think he does need to be criticised, and I, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. Either his head's been turned, or he thinks, you know what, fuck it, we're down. Like, there's nothing I can do right now. I could be totally wrong, and I could get an absolute load of stick for this. But just today, there was just there wasn't that energy. I saw one point, probably about the seventy-fifth minute. Kazri chases down the West Ham defence, and he's able to get a foot in, and the ball goes out for throw-in deep in West Ham territory. And I'm thinking to myself, fantastic, well done, Wabby. But Jermaine, you're standing still. Like uh, I don't understand why. You, you don't have the same heart. And like I say, I, I, I don't want to be critical because he's he's been great for us. He's been beyond that. But I am disappointed with the level of display that he's shown in recent weeks. Mm. And he, I think we're resigned to the fact he's going to leave. There's reports that there's a, a clause in his contract that he leaves on a free, basically, uh, if we go down. And you, you can't begrudge him. He wants to play. He wants to um, stake a claim for the England squad. Yeah. But but like I say, he is due as much criticism as anybody else, and it was disappointing to watch him today. I just I didn't see the spring in the step that we normally associate with Jermaine Defoe. I think for a while, really, he's he's lost his pace. Having Jermaine Defoe as your best player, if we're a bit better as a club, we probably have to have a real talk about how much you're limited due to the lack of pressing he does. I often think that the best the deep-line central midfielders and the teams we play against get made to look good because Defoe doesn't track them, people like Livermore, even today, Fernandez, Because he doesn't press, it limits what we can do as a team. Mm. Now, when he's scoring goals, that's great. He's, he's the difference maker. It's a risk and reward thing. And for the most part, when his teammates are so untalented, it's been worth it. But I'm not sure there's that much difference. I just think he's getting older He's not getting the service. Maybe he has got fed up with the lack of quality around him, the lack of chances he's getting. And in his defence today, he did lay on two or three good chances for his teammates. And if we had better quality around him, maybe we're talking about Defoe setting up chances for a change, 
getting two assists and Sunderland getting three points. So I wouldn't be too harsh on him because, like you said, he has been an excellent servant. But I do think when you've got a player who can't really run anymore as your main man, it does limit what you do. And maybe if we had brought in a second striker, we could have used him more sparingly. We could have reserved, preserved him a bit more. And maybe we wouldn't be judging him as harshly now. But like I said, he's going in the summer. We all know he's going. So it's, it's that's going to be the real tough one. Who comes in next? And yeah, where do we go from here? I, I found now you've said that actually you, you've you've made me think a little bit about what a David Moyes Sunderland team would look like without Jermaine Defoe in it because I think historically he doesn't actually play with strikers in his team like Defoe. Defoe's kind of obviously he's inherited them, so Defoe is a, a small poacher. He's not going to win your headers or, or like you say press high up the pitch, but he will you know poach goals and fight be in the right place at the right time, which he often is. Um, but I just kind of wonder what, when when we do go down, what kind of striker we will sign as his replacement, because I don't think it'll be somebody like him. If if I'm honest, I think it'll be somebody who has a bit more of a well-rounded um, well-rounded game to them, I guess. Somebody like a Chris Wood from Leeds or Yushua from Leicester maybe is a cheaper option. Somebody who does score goals, but can lead a line. I think that's kind of more the type of striker that David Moyes wants in his team. Um, and, you know, I think it's pretty clear that he's not going to be here next season. Uh, to be honest, I would love him to be here next season because I think he would score hatfuls in the championship, mm. even though he will be like 35, 36 by the time we do play down there. Well, um, I, mean, I just... Go on, go on, sorry. Well, yeah, for, for my bit, with regards to Faro, I mean, a couple of points I've got to make. One, I'll, I'll, I'll save the more controversial one. Uh, till last, but the it highlights, doesn't it? The the thing about Jermaine Defoe, him, the fact that he's he's a goal poacher. That's what he does, and I mean the, the reality of Jermaine Defoe, and anyone's been able to tell you this about him, like for the last ten, fifteen years, he will get called offside more often than he'll score in a game. Even if he if he scores five goals, that means that he's been called offside like twenty times. Do you know what I mean? Because that's how he does. He plays off the shoulder of defenders, and he he, he relies on his on his stature. To get him inside and, and to literally just, the ball has to be given to him. Do you know what I mean? Like people say, oh, he's, he's done really well there, Jermaine Defoe, when he's just managed to keep it at his feet when he's being pressed by a centre back or two centre backs because he's so small and he's not actually like physically imposing or anything like that. So he has to be a little bit more technical at his feet, but he's not so technical that he can dribble the ball around them. Do you know what I mean? So sometimes he, he can twist and do an awesome shot. He's, he's got the, the accuracy the sh- and the shot power to do it. But yeah, for me, it, it, as I say, it highlights that we don't have a target man. It highlights that we don't have, uh, you know what I mean, that we've got an incomplete set there. So that's the shame about having Jermaine Defoe is that you know if you partnered him with somebody who was a regular goal scorer, doesn't have to be scoring 15 goals a season, just scores every uh, out of every four attempts, do you know what I mean? If you had them together... That and obviously a, a lot more reliance on quality on the wings and things like that in the midfield. I mean, there's a lot of things that we're missing that we'd need, but it's just such a shame for me to have this player and to arguably see him go when we, at a time when we need him the most on a free. I mean, for, as I said, I'm not fussed about not getting any money for him. We'd be pretty stupid to expect it. And this leads me on to my second point, saying that he's, um, He's a good servant and he, and as a result, he might not deserve certain criticisms and things like that. People saying, well, no, he, he should be as open to criticism as anyone else. And that is true because he's a, he's a professional at the end of the day. It doesn't matter, you know what I mean? How many goals he scores or how old he is or anything like that. But to an extent, I feel like Jermaine Defoe's been a bonus to this club. Do you know what I mean? I feel like we wouldn't have got that sort of striker. In an ideal world, we would have him and someone else, but that that hasn't happened in a long time. Do you know what I mean? You're talking about since we had a striker like this, for as far as I'm concerned, the the sort of partnership I'm talking about that he could have created if he had the extra half would have been like Quinn Phillips. Do you know what I mean? It would have been iconic. Well, I don't think he should be given no criticism, and I don't think he should be fully criticised. I'm as I say, it's sort of like a luxury to me. Do you know what I mean? Having a player like him, and if he does go, I wish him all the best. Similar to when Allardyce went to England, um, I, I, as I said at the time, I thought Allardyce was the right manager for us. It's a similar thing for me. I don't think that we get that sort of <laughs> manager or player, ideally, or sorry, 
um, usually, typically, do you know what I mean? So seeing him, it's easy come, easy go, isn't it? And it is a real shame that we won't have him in the championship. I can't see him sticking about for that, no matter how old he is. Do you know what I mean? That's not gonna, that's not gonna be his bag. He can, he can definitely earn money staying in the Premier League for another season. So why wouldn't he? And then beyond that, he could go into, well, he could go abroad again. So it's not like he's out of options. Do you know what I mean? I can't see him sticking around for us. Yeah, spot on. He's he's yeah, not going <laughs> to stick around for the championship. Um, he has been a great servant. I wish him to do well after Sunderland. It would be great if he's at the World Cup next year. He's he's going. He's he's yeah, clearly been a level above. The only reason we got him is because of the whole Toronto debacle. Him missing out on the World Cup. Him having a point to prove. Coming back to England, having been overlooked for another major tournament. So everything fell nicely for us to get a player of that caliber. The way he's brought into our culture, the emotion he had after scoring in the derby. It's been great having him here. It's annoying that at the moment he doesn't seem to be putting enough of a shift in at a time when we need him. But at the same time, without him, we could have gone down the last two seasons. So, yeah, people look back fondly on his time there, and I think that's right. So, yeah, no, I don't really want to say too much negative things about him because I seem to be in a minority. I didn't even think he was that bad today. So that's just where I stand on it. I don't think he it was that he was that bad. You know what I mean? I think it is just when you it might even as I say we we've been lucky to have him as far as I'm concerned, but we're kind of used to it, aren't we? Do you know what I mean? We used to I'll oh, give the ball to Defoe and he'll score, and when he doesn't score, then you start looking at is he actually tracking around? But as you said, his legs, the way he plays, do you know what I mean? I'm not sure that we can expect too much of that. But anyway. Well, thanks very much for joining me, guys. And uh, thanks to you, the listeners, for listening. Don't forget you can subscribe to us on the Acast app and on iTunes. So, yeah, this is the Roker Report signing off. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.